0: Ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Good afternoon, this is Chickie Fitzgerald. We are going to be talking about a topic that uh, just it either plagues me or or it's an opportunity and I'm hoping today is about opportunity and that is how we manage our time. Uh, the book we're going to be talking about today is I Know How She Does It, How Successful Women Make the Most of Their Time. And our guest today is Laura Vanderkam. Laura, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, it is a pleasure. And you know, we all have the same number of hours of the day, no mystery there, and some of us are better than others. Some of us are successful in spite of ourselves, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. We, we're we better than we deserve to be, <laughs> for what we <laughs> stand.
0: Well, Laura, I would like to start because uh, we haven't spoken before, um, and, and I know you have written other books, but before you even wrote your very first book, Tell us about you. Tell us, uh, let our listeners get to know you a little bit through what you did before you uh, sat down and wrote your first book.
1: Well, I've always been in the writing field. I started out as a journalist, uh, writing for various places, Um, lots of lifestyle pieces, social trends, and as part of that, I became interested in how people spend their time uh, because it it turned out that this is one of those topics where we are, in fact, all working with the same numbers. As you said, we all have the exact same 24 hours in a day and 168 hours in a week, which is a number a lot of people don't know, but that's another important one. Uh, and, And so because we all have the same amount of time, um, when you see people doing amazing things with their time, it's not because they have any more of it. And so I became fascinated by that idea and and how successful people were allocating their time. And so because I was a journalist, I naturally began writing about it and asking people about it. And that's what my my books have come out of.
0: Well, and you published a book called What the Most What the Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast. And I, I love that one because it, it really is key. Uh, and and that's of course presuming that we're eating breakfast, right?
1: <laughs> of course. Well, it it doesn't have to be before breakfast per se, but it's really about how people build morning routines that work for them and help them achieve goals in their busy lives that they might not be able to achieve otherwise.
0: Right. So, how did this one come about? Because here you're you're focusing very very specifically unsuccessful women. So did you interview a number of women for this book?
1: For I Know How She Does It, I did interview a number of women, but I think the most interesting part of what I did is I actually had them keep track of their schedules. So I had well over 100 women keep track of a week in their lives, hour by hour. Um, so I wound up with data on 1,001 days in the lives of women who had professional careers uh, and who also had families at home. So they were both right. working and raising families. And I got to see you know, exactly what their lives looked like um, when they worked, when they slept, when they were with their kids, when they were doing housework, when they were with their spouse. When they were in the car, all these different things, uh, and and the data I got from that became uh, the substance of, of I know how she does it,
0: right? Well, and you really describe this uh, as a mosaic, right? So it,
1: it is. Um, so, and, and so we the we have
0: to be all of those things. Some of us choose to deal with certain pieces of that differently, and and I have been an entrepreneur for over twenty years, and. Oh, excuse me. Here, we were talking about you coughing, and now I'm the first one. Mm. So um, when I first started my business 20 years ago, I was consulting, and I was traveling all of the time. And very shortly after that, uh, I had my first child. And very quickly after that, I got my biggest consulting engagement of my life, my first million-dollar gig. And the when they told me that I was going to have this gig, they said, yes, and you're going to come to Minneapolis on, uh, you know, from Monday through Thursday every week. And I lived in Atlanta at the time, and I had a two-year-old, and I thought, I'm going to what? And, and of course, I had to uh, adjust my mosaic, you know, which now had this, this very active two-year-old in it, um, to include having a nanny. And, you know, that wasn't something I had ever contemplated when I thought about motherhood, right? But but that mosaic changes over time. So talk to me about the mosaic.
1: It does. And and the key part with the mosaic is that we have to see the whole picture. Um, because we can get into this mindset of like, oh, I travel for work, for instance, and therefore I never see my kid. But the interesting thing is, if I track my time, I have people do their weekly time log from 5 a.m. Monday to 5 a.m. Monday, right? That's the 168 hours of a week. And so, in fact, 5 a.m. Monday to 5 p.m. Thursday is actually only half the week. It is only half the <laughs> week. And, and so we have people be like, oh, I'm always gone, Monday to Thursday. But it, that is, in fact, of the week. So it could entirely be possible that 50% you're gone, 50% you're there, which is half. It's not all the time. I think it's important to look at the whole picture of it. And so that's one of the things I was encouraging people to, to do with this um, book, but but you know the mosaic image is is also just about moving tiles around to create a pattern that works for you right. um, that people 's schedules may not have look what we think of a normal schedule. things may not happen at the normal time, they may not happen every day at the exact same time, but in the whole of a week in the whole of these one hundred and sixty eight hours of, of tiles, if you will, in the mosaic there can be space for anything that truly matters to you. Nice. I really do believe that's the case. And that's what a lot of people discover as they track their time for me, is that there was, in fact, space for things. I'd have people tell me things like, oh, I never see my kids because I travel. And then they track their time. and be like, huh, I guess I see my kids a lot.
0: Or <laughs> I never see my
1: friends. I was like, oh, except for the two times you did during the week you tracked. Or, you know, people say, right. uh, like, various, you know, I never sleep. Well, again, except for the <laughs> seven hours a night that you did. During the week that you tracked, I mean, we have these images of our lives, mm-hmm. um, the stories we tell ourselves, and these stories may or may not be true. Sometimes they are true, and sometimes they're stories that we have because. We had something really bad happen to us that was traumatic, and so that's what we keep remembering, even if that's no longer true, or even if it was true right. once, but you know. Well,
0: and I think once. that's the interesting thing about the mosaic metaphor. Um, and in fact, I just got off of a call with a woman where we were talking about this very thing, and I was using the metaphor of of a tapestry, where when you're looking at the back of it, like all you see are the knots, and you see the you know the dark colors and the 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 bland colors and then every once in a while there's you know a, a teal thread or a red thread right but a mosaic is interesting in in the analogy because it also implies things that are broken right and mm-hmm. how you can make something beautiful out of things that you feel are broken
1: sure that could that could totally work with that I mean you can make all kinds of things with, it, with this image is one of the reasons I really like it. And I like, think we need to think about our lives in terms of all their complexities and all their different elements instead of just mm-hmm. you know, having things be totally black and white.
0: So starting with work, which, which you know, tends to invade, or most of us feel like it's invading the rest of our life, how do you and can you truly seek True balance?
1: I think you can. If uh, I mean, the word balance is problematic in so many ways, right? Um, at first, it implies that work and life are on opposite sides of the scale. That's a whole balance metaphor, right, that they're in, on opposite sides of a scale, so when one goes up, the other must go down. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't actually believe that that's the case, um, that there are many ways that work can complement the rest of your life. There's many ways that the things you do in your life make you better at your work. So I, I think these are not – um, trading off in the way that people perceive they are. The other thing is that people don't have their numbers right on the idea of work-life balance. For most people, that, that they say, oh, I need more balance. They mean they want to work less.
0: But if you look <laughs> at the
1: number of hours in a week, there's 168 hours in a week. If you are working 40 hours a week, so full-time job, if you are sleeping 8 hours a night, so that's 56 hours a week, That leaves 72 hours for other things. So you are not working almost twice as much time as you are working. Um, That's not actually balanced in the sense that you're not working a lot more than you are. You would have to be working about 56 hours a week in order for work and life to be actually occupying the same amount of space. The vast majority of people do not work 56 hours a week. Many think they do, but we tend to overestimate our working hours, which is another Mm -hmm. thing I've discovered in my studies. Um, So so there's very few people who are actually in total balance between work and life. So so there's many, many problems with this metaphor. But that said, I do think we can find uh, ways to make work and life fit together in in ways that work for us. And I think it is quite possible to achieve a state where we are doing what we wish to at work, achieving our goals there, um, having a fulfilling personal life, too, uh, and having enough time for ourselves as well. I really do think it is possible to do all And so
0: is the tracking of that time, is that the key to taking charge of your time?
1: I think that is a very important part of it. Everyone I studied for this book, I had keep track of their time for a week. And many people found the experience to be enlightening. Um, <laughs> and that can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing, uh, depending on, on what you think you might discover, I guess. Uh, you know Some people were sort of <clears throat> appalled at how much time they spent on, say, social media or puttering around the house doing nothing. Uh, right. Other people were... Um, happy to learn that they were, in fact, spending time on all their various priorities. They had been discounting the time that they had spent on certain things. Maybe it wasn't as much as they hoped it might be, but it was there. Uh, and right. so that becomes a different question of how can I expand it as opposed to why is this not my life at all?
0: And so how does that then make success possible in the work uh, category uh, of that mosaic? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, most of us do not want to work around the clock. Obviously, that's that's not something most people aspire to. We do, to. but.
0: Yeah. Uh, and and
1: so you're trying to achieve as much as you can within sort of more limited work hours, right? So is there a place you can optimize um, for putting in the hours you have to, but making the most of those hours so you're not working hours that you don't have to? Uh, and, and so that's what i have been thinking about in terms of how one can make success possible. And part of that is understanding, well, where do my work hours go? How many hours am I actually working in general? And where do those hours go? Am I spending those on my top priority professional tasks or am I spending them on things that really don't need to get done, things that seem immediately productive because they're right in front of me, but actually in the long run won't make a big difference. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so being very clear on doing the important stuff first um, and, and taking care of that can go a long way toward making right. sure that those work hours are used effectively.
0: And Laura, I'm, I'm interested to know whether uh, in the category of successful women, whether executive women behave differently than entrepreneurial or or solopreneur people who work for themselves is there a difference
1: i think that there are some differences um People often feel like they have less control of their time in a corporate environment than they might in an entrepreneurial environment. But the truth is entrepreneurs have a lot of demands on their time as well. So on some level, that's, that's a false assumption.
0: Well, yes, um, because we work 80 hours a week to avoid working 40 hours a week for someone else. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> but um, the, the most fascinating thing I think I've found is that even people who didn't have what one might think of as flexible jobs, tended to have a fair amount of flexibility. Uh, About three quarters of the women I studied did something personal during their work hours in the course of their diary week. Of course, the flip side of that is true as well. Three-quarters of women did something work-related during what one might think of (laughs) as personal hours, you know, nights, weekends, stuff like that. But I think the two are totally related. There's a lot of work-life integration going on these days, and I think for many women that's actually the key to making it all work. You know, you take – Time you come into work a little bit late one morning because you go visit a child's preschool, and then you make up the work at night after your kid went to bed, and, and that's a trade off you're entirely willing to make. Um, the, the work didn't happen necessarily at the normal time, but it still all got done. So I saw a lot of women, even in corporate jobs, doing that sort of thing.
0: Right. Well, and, and you touch on something in, in the section about the home part of the mosaic. And I'm, a, I'm going to jump to that and then I'm going to come back to the other one. Uh, but you, you touch on making life easier. And I alluded to that in my decision when I was having to travel Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursday every week and my husband was actually on the road at the same time. So we really uh, didn't have a choice other than to find a way to have childcare for my two-year-old, and we made the decision about the live-in nanny because I didn't want to be getting on a plane and having a babysitter, you know, or, or someone, you know, call in sick, yeah. right? And so it was like, how can I avoid that? <laughs> and so the solution I came up with to make our lives easier and to remove that, you know, potential barrier. Um, you know, with with our traveling situation, that was the right solution for us. And in my current situation, you know, I've got a daughter who's in college in in Europe. She's um, going to the University of Warsaw in Poland, uh, and is a freshman there. And then I've got a son who is a sophomore in high school and just finally learning how to drive, even though he's almost seventeen and you know so making my life easier with him is going to be having him actually get his driver's license which Boys kind of do that a little bit later than they used to, apparently, and and so the making life easier. I, I think our home life is where there are the most opportunities to do that, but it really does free us up, and and even things like housework, which I, I have always refused to do, no matter how much I make, right? Convincing my husband that even though I'm not bringing in revenue, paying somebody to do the laundry and to clean the house uh, is really critical to my being able to be successful in my job. So I'm going to be quiet now and let you talk about this, but but there are really these two aspects of the home part of the mosaic, and let's talk about making life easier first.
1: Exactly. I think choosing to do what you can to make life easier um, is is a big part of, in fact, making life easier. Right? This seems so obvious, and yet there's so many people who get caught up on this idea of using their resources to by themselves, happiness, freedom, lighten their load a little bit. And and I find that women have more of a problem with this than um, men seem to. One of the most commonly outsourced tasks is lawn care, uh, and I presume that's because it is a stereotypical male job, and many men feel that if they are gone from the house big chunks of the week and they want to spend their time on weekend hanging out with their family and such, that it doesn't make sense for them to be out doing the, the yard work. And so consequently, mm-hmm. it's a frequently outsourced task. But I think a lot of women feel a little bit more complicated about that, um, that you know, it's it's somehow not doing their job, which is silly i mean your job is your job (laughs) whatever that is the the paid work you do And, and also it's things you know the interaction with your children and oftentimes uh housework can detract from that um from the time you might be involved with your kids and so better to get stuff delivered and spend that time you would have been running errands playing with your kids it's about Absolutely. making. Absolutely.
0: Thank God for open. Amazon Prime. Yes. <laughs>
1: There's a lot of Amazon Prime use going on among the women I studied because it's so, I mean, spending your weekend driving to a couple of big box stores to buy toilet paper and birthday party presents is just. It's probably not that fun. I mean, especially if you've got small kids coming along with you who are pulling right. stuff off the shelves. <laughs> like just relax at home, let that stuff come to you. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's the way to make it work.
0: And so let's shift and talk about the other one, because I think this is the one that we, we have the toughest time with. Uh, largely because of the invasion of electronics into our life. And, you know, I will be the first to admit that when I was home on the weekend with my then three-year-old that I would be pushing her on the swings at the park with my cell phone in one hand, right? And so this one is about being there.
1: Yeah, I think being there is... I mean, I don't want to go overboard with this. I mean, There's many wonderful things about the Internet, and some time that we're hanging out with our children is just boring. I mean, it's true. And, right. you know, if I, I use my phone to read on my Kindle, for instance, um, and that's a great way to use that those bits of time to, to get something done, to actually relax instead of, you know, if the kids are playing and don't need me, I mean, there's no reason not to. But, uh, you know, I think we do fall into the trap of looking at our phones frequently and then thinking we don't have any leisure time. Um, because it doesn't feel like leisure time when you're looking at your phone. It doesn't actually feel all that relaxing, even though it clearly is for the most part. I mean, maybe you glanced at your work email, but, like, you quickly went to other stuff (laughs) after that. The whole time looking at the phone was not urgent, important work stuff. It just chopped up this leisure time you could have had into bits of nothing. Uh, And most of that is self-inflicted. I mean, it's – even if your boss does expect you to check email on the weekend, most don't expect you to check every five minutes. Like, that's you. That's that's not him. Uh, so I, right. I it's, it's about self-discipline, really. It's about committing to put the phone somewhere else, or if you have it with you because it's your map and your clock and all that, put it in airplane right. mode, right, so that it's not – um, bugging you with stuff coming in, like you can take it out of airplane mode very quickly if you need to, like if you needed to make a phone call. But uh, by putting it in airplane mode, you sort of remove some of the immediate temptation for getting all that
0: stuff. Right. Right, and you know, I think it's interesting. I, I had this discussion with my husband the other day because my daughter is coming home for Easter, um, you know, from Poland, and she doesn't get to come home much because of being so far away. But she's bringing her boyfriend, and so I was uh, encouraging my husband to take a little bit of time off because he he works quite a bit and, and is you know just performing amazingly for for his company he's in sales and um, you know encouraging him to be there when they're home and and that doesn't mean not working at all but my son is in a tennis tournament and you know we're all going to be there and why don't you just stop by either for his singles or his doubles match and 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 so. Sometimes I think we put barriers on ourselves saying, "Oh i can't do that and and women uh, i I know in corporate life quite often will do that that oh well i can't take off to watch the tournament or i can't take off to do this or that because uh, you know then when a promotion is coming up the line, i won't be considered did, did you find much of that Is that what the barrier barrier is to actually being there for our family or you know, putting the phone away or whatever. I mean, there's some of that, that, uh,
1: certainly. I mean, many people do operate from a place of fear, um, but I think that you don't have to operate from that place of fear. And one of the you don't want in general to be operating, building your career from from a place of fear. You want to do the best in your job. It helps to know that you always have other options. I mean, if you've got five people who've told you, you know, if you're ever thinking of switching jobs, call me first. Wow, you know, you don't care, right? And often that not caring allows you to sort of just take risks and be authentic and and let the chips go where they go. And and people respond well to that. I've I I know I've I've had um you know some negotiations in my life on for instance speeches I really didn't want to give for instance, and I sort of just name a ridiculous figure, thinking like they're not going to go for it, and then. You know, sometimes they do. <laughs> it's just like, wow, that was the easiest negotiation ever. <laughs> uh, but but it's that sort of thing. You know that when you don't care as much about something, it's it's very liberating. And I'm not saying we shouldn't care about our jobs. Right, but right. Operating from a place of strength is is the way to go. And one thing I will say about you know the women I interviewed for I know how she does it. They were all fairly successful in their careers at the point that I talked to them. I talked to women who um, a criteria for being in my study was was making six figures a year. So mostly these were people who were up the corporate ladder a ways or, you know, building a successful business or something. You know, it was with was right. people who had kind of achieved that level. And, and so some of, I think I, I encountered a bit less of that, partly because of the people I was studying, um, that many right. had already gone through several promotions. Um, so they were a bit more free in that regard.
0: Well it's interesting the the next section I think is is also key in, in which is all about self. So the the middle part about home whether or not you have kids at home or have kids at all right or whether you have a spouse or a significant other or or just trying to manage your home life with with your friends. The next piece is where women are really, I think, the worst about making times for ourselves, And and so self is is the piece of the mosaic uh, that gets perhaps less attention than the others. And I was sharing on my my, uh, interview last week that I had a membership. Well, I actually had four gift certificates for massages a couple which were 2 years old that i hadn't used. And it's like what's up with that? I love massages. Why would i not take that time? And and again, it's this this notion that time uh that there isn't enough time. But you just, you know, laid out the math for us that that clearly if you look at this realistically, there is time and you must nurture yourself, right?
1: Yeah, I would say the, the thing to understand with that is there is time. Something like the massage is a really awesome, fun way to spend time, but it requires you to plan. And so it's not that people don't have free time, it's that they don't plan it. <laughs> right. And so people will tell you they have absolutely no leisure time, and they're telling you this on Facebook. And it's like, give me a break. <laughs> like, Being on Facebook is pretty much the definition of a leisure time activity. It's just that it's, Easy to do. Like people who claim to have no time at all will tell you the plot lines of several television shows. But again, it's because it's easy to do, right? Yeah. You can fill fill small bits of time this way. You don't have to make arrangements. You don't have to do anything special. Uh, and, and so those kinds of leisure time are very easy to fit into our lives. Whereas other kinds of leisure, the kind of rejuvenating leisure of the massage, for instance, or having a girlfriend's dinner out at a restaurant, those take a lot of planning. And so yeah. they're very difficult to make happen because we don't like to plan, and so then they don't happen <laughs> so it's It's not about having time for ourselves, it's about using that time that we do have for ourselves in ways that actually make us feel better. and I think that's the problem that people have.
0: right, right. Well, and that's clear, and and you're right. Those things do take time. And I, I was talking to a friend who just went to work. Uh, in fact, I think she starts Monday for a company called Pinot's Palette, which if if you don't have one of these in your town, it's one of those places where you can go and paint. Okay. Um, and usually they they have a picture that you're you know kind of emulating what that picture is. The night that I went, we actually painted wine glasses, which was great fun. And you know, and I was reminded at how much I enjoy that kind of thing, and how I do need to plan that. Um, I want to move on, though, because there are just a couple of other topics that we want to cover, and, and one of them is about savoring space, and I'm very, very interested in this one, because one of the things that gets me in trouble um, in, in my work-life balance is that uh, I live in this gorgeous house on a lake and I have an office but it's in the back of the house where it's dark right so I bring my laptop and I sit out in this beautiful space but then my work invades uh, the day and the night right because I don't move it back into my (laughs) office so space is like a big part of uh, I am actually taking care of myself all day because I do savor this particular space in my life so talk to us about what what this savor space piece of this mosaic of the self part means to you. I
1: think this is about having white space in your life. Um, And often it has to be consciously created, open, white space in our lives. Because if we don't carve that out, other stuff will fill in. And sometimes it's things we have to do, and sometimes it's just things we do without thinking about it. I mean, you the you know dishwasher needs to be emptied at some point but does it have to be emptied right now well if you're sitting there and enjoying the view from the porch well, maybe not you know you can wait 20 minutes and just enjoy that time and have it open right. and, and relax and and you'll get to the the dishes eventually or looking at your phone i mean this is that's what we talk about people chopping up time like you could be sitting there staring at a wonderful view and then you're pulling out your phone and you're Like, well why <laughs> really nice. why what was going on there was nothing going on uh and and we've become so addicted to our phones that we can't deal with like 10 minutes of staring at the clouds. So people get very antsy uh, in 10 minutes of staring at the clouds. But if you ever want to feel like you have enough space in your life, just go outside for 10 minutes to stare at the clouds. And most people are kind of itching by the end of it. Uh, So you have to sort of consciously create this space in your life and and learn to enjoy it and uh, savor it, uh, the the space that, that is there. But that that little hang up people have to get over is that you have to sort of consciously carve out that time and say i'm going to have my open space now uh, i'm not going to let anything invade it and and then once you do then you, know, you can go back to whatever you're doing and and most things can wait for a little while i mean we right. have a tendency to believe we are far more important than we actually are <laughs> <laughs> the earth is going to keep spinning whatever you do uh, so right. probably it's okay
0: so the end of this uh, particular chapter and 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 the the whole section on self um ends in the concept of mastering the tiles. So again, you have to be able to know where the tiles are being uh allocated to begin with in order to be able to master them. So so what's the secret there?
1: Well, like We've been talking about knowing where the time goes is is key to figuring out how to spend your time better. Because, I mean, if you don't know what you're starting with, how do you know if things are improving or not? I mean, you might say, like, oh, I need to work less. But then you realize that actually you're getting distracted from work while you're there. Maybe you could focus a little bit more during the time you're there and you're not working less per se but you're working differently and that gets a lot more done or you may you know think that you should exercise more and that might be true but you could see that you're already exercising twice during the week and that's great you know so maybe just add one more session and you're starting to get to a really good place so if you don't know where you are you can't make the right changes and so knowing where the time goes is key But then just sort of thinking about, well, how can I move things around? How can I make the best use of the space I have? And I think being really good at time estimation is is Mm -hmm. one of those skills that most people don't have. But if you do have, like your life will run so much more smoothly. Um, this is the secret of people who are never late, is that they actually know how much time things take. <laughs> and so uh-huh. they don't schedule three things that take 20 minutes into a period of half an hour and expect this to work. Uh, that That's just math. Um, and, and so they have a very realistic sense of what fits in where. And if you have that, then, then life works well.
0: Right. Well, and at the end of the day, you really can have it all, is, is the point of this book, that uh, knowing how things are allocated, uh, having a picture of what you want that mosaic to actually look like. I, and, and again, I, I think you're right. We we misestimate those things. Or, or maybe somebody is, is uh, saying, all you ever do is work, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I've heard that uh Many, many times. So, uh, Laura, it has been really, really uh, useful. And and the book that we've been talking about is I Know How She Does It, How Successful Women Make the Most of Their Time. Laura, if folks want to get in touch with you, if they'd like you to speak, how can they best reach you?
1: So my website is lauravandercam.com, just my name. And I blog pretty regularly there. I love to interact with readers and comments. I respond to quite a few of the comments. Uh, We get a good discussion going on lots of different topics there. I'm on social media as well. Twitter is at LVandercam. I'd love to chat with people there as well.
0: Terrific. Well, Laura, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend and uh, that it warms up a bit there in Pennsylvania. We are enjoying just such a fabulous spring in, in Florida. And uh, so I certainly plan to get outside a bit this weekend.
1: Sounds wonderful. I hope to as well.
0: Well, good. Well, thanks again for your time. And we look forward to uh, what learning more about our own time is going to yield in our own lives. Thanks so much. Thank you. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation. With Chickie Fitzgerald.